1: For more information, visit
2: cane5.com. I'm Linda Palaccio, host of A Taste of the Past. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network, broadcasting live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. If you like this program, visit heritageradionetwork.org for thousands more.
1: Welcome to the Food Scene on HeritageRadioNetwork.org. I'm your host, Michael Harlan Turkell here today with a very special guest, the doyen of desserts, Dory Greenspan. And it's not often that I get to say to somebody that, oh yeah, we met in that hair salon.
2: (laughs) We did, actually. That was our first meeting. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) It was, um, Mizu was the salon, and um, my son and I had a cookie pop-up there, and you came.
1: I did. I've always been a fan of... Most everything you do, not most everything you do. Oh, my father-in-law. Too bad it's
2: radio because you could see me <laughs> blushing. Yeah,
1: well, we'll we'll do a little animated GIF of you, you know, from from pale to blush. <laughs> but. um my my father-in-law, I have to start with this, has been making your multi-grain pancakes from pancakes, what oh, is it, noon to midnight? Mid,
2: uh, no, uh, morning to, <laughs> morning midnight. to midnight. Pancakes <laughs> from morning to midnight. That's right. Those are good pancakes. Those are amazing.
1: But they, they have been a staple of our Christmases, of uh, whenever we can get them to make them. Oh, how great. So, oh,
2: thank you for telling yeah, me that. Yeah,
1: absolutely. So, Joe, that's for you. Um, this book that came out...
2: Baking chamois? We're not talking about pancakes anymore. Anyway, no, 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 no. We're <laughs> moving on to
1: baking chamois. Uh, what is this? Your dozenth?
2: No, actually, uh, it's my eleventh. Eleventh. But one day, I hope we'll be together talking about a baker's dozen of books. Oh, that'd absolutely! Be fun. Yeah, Whoa, that'd be fun. Well, that's two more, right? Yeah. <laughs>
1: right? This book is kind of amazing because it, it, it's such a glimpse into your life. Where I feel like you've you've worked with so many amazing people in the past, collaborated with Julia Child. Danielle Balud, Pierre May. Yeah, I've been very lucky, very, very amazing. But you've been so th- humble, and at the same time, have been waiting for the right time and opportunity to kind of release this trove of treasures. <laughs> Why now?
2: Um, thank you, by the way. <laughs> um, Flush again. Um, this book. So, I it's interesting. I have the, my last three books. So, Baking from My Home to Yours, which came out in two thousand six. Around My French Table, 2010, and now Baking Chamois, 2014. I'm a slow writer, by the <laughs> way. It's like, you know, every four...
1: I know how long cookbooks take. This, oh, no I know you do. No way is this right. slow.
2: Right, well... <laughs> um, it's methodical. Thank you. Um, those three books I think of as kind of... I'm never going to write a memoir. I'm never going to write an autobiography. Um, but I feel like these three books taken together are kind of my culinary memoir. They're, they're they're kitchen they're like kitchen journals for me. And this last book is it's very interesting to me because it's the it actually surprised me. And when you've when you're my age, a woman of a certain age, and when you've been doing this for so long, to still be surprised is wonderful. And that's I mean that's why I love the work that we do. Yeah. Um but the book surprised me because I thought thought, I mean, you know, I'm in love with France. I live part-time in Paris, have for almost 20 years, um, and I thought I was going to write a book m- that would be more about French patisserie, you know, the beautiful polished pastries of France. And as I started to work, I realized that what I loved, you know, know thyself, it took me a long time to get to know myself, but the, what I love is the really simple stuff, that I'm really a home baker at heart. And what I was able to do with this book was to collect recipes from French home bakers and to discover, and it was a discovery for me, um, what I think of as a parallel universe to that fancy French patisserie, the stuff that we think of, the ghetto Saint-Honoré, the beautifully glazed and finished pastries, to discover a kind of parallel universe to that, that I, for lack of it really having a name. Think of it as French comfort baking. Yeah, and so as I was getting these recipes and working on them and loving them, um, I knew that this was this was the book.
1: Yeah. When, when did that become comforting to you? Do you remember that first French pastry you ate?
2: Um, for this book or the first French pastry no, I ever ever ate? ever ate? Oh, okay. So I must have had something before this, but the transformative. French pastry was more than 40 years ago. It was um, on our first trip to Paris. I, I've been married since birth, so when I say our, it means my husband, Michael. Um, it was our first trip to Europe, and Paris was our first stop. And the first day I was there, I had this tiny little strawberry tartlet. It was like the not even the size of my index finger. Um, and it was just it had room in its little it was a little barquette a little boat shaped tartlet and it had room for three little wild strawberries and I took a bite of that and I had never tasted anything like it not I had never tasted vanilla like that the butter in the crust the the deep flavor of those tiny little strawberries I was hooked that was it
1: yeah I think it's funny a lot of people associate obviously croissants with French pastries and that that seems to be a gateway but there there's so much more, obviously. There's and, so much more and so much more intricate and, you know, versatile things that I wonder what the first, you know, pastry of that elk most people eat are. And in my head it is a croissant.
2: Oh, that's interesting. Okay, so had you asked me before before you could get croissant I don't know if you can get them at Dunkin' Donut, but, you know, before you could get them at, can, at yes. well, there you go. <laughs> but before you could get a croissant at, at you know, the corner beanery, um, I might have said an eclair mm-hmm. that that might have been the f- fancy gateway pastry to, or cream puff. Yeah, You know, maybe. I don't know. I've never thought about that. That's interesting. Because
1: then I I wonder after that, what is the first kind of French pastry most people try to cook? Or what was the first one you attempted?
2: So, um, actually, I made croissant early on. (laughs) (laughs) And all day and all night and the following day. um, But they were fabulous. I don't know. Um, I want to say tarts. I want to say the tarts might be the first. But, you know, here's what's so interesting. We Americans are such fabulous home bakers. Those of us who bake and who love it bake all the time. We'll spend an entire weekend making something. We'll be excited. We're project bakers. You know, we're ambitious. We're um, enthusiastic and energetic home bakers. The French are not. Um, When you're invited to someone's home for dinner, you get some fabulous and fabulously expensive. I mean, you you feel like, you know, they've saved up all week to do this for you. Um, Pastry from a pastry shop. French people don't bake, they buy. And it was years before I got to find out that they do, in fact, do things other than go to shops to buy stuff, but they never do it for company. So French people bake for their families, for people they really consider close friends, close as family, and you know, I began to wonder, like my wonderful friends, what were they having on Tuesday night when it was just the kids, you know, and and they weren't entertaining, you know, in the dining room. What were they eating around the kitchen table? And that, those are the recipes that I was able to get for baking chamois, but not easily you know these i would ask friends friends people i've known for years i'd say oh you know i loved that little apple dessert that you made the other night may i have the recipe and uh, uh, you know it, t- to each one the, the from each one the answer was the same well you don't want nah, you don't want it no too simple too simple for you is
1: it because they want it to be referenced as their apple pastry their apple kuchen
2: you know, I don't know. At first I thought, okay, so here's a part of French culture and etiquette that I've never run into <laughs> before. There must be the oh no, it's too simple rule or the dance. You know, the somehow you know, you have to ask 3 times and then I'll give it to you, wave your magic wand, you know, kneel, beg, plead. Um, I don't know. I think that there was this idea that it really was too simple. It wasn't false modesty. It was modesty, but it wasn't It wasn't false because each time I got the recipes, they were simple, but they were fabulous.
1: You know, I, I thought one of the more fascinating things was the definition of cake in France. Oh. That, that there are so many, that there's a cake, you know, uh, and then there's a travel cake, but it's almost like this you know, such a versatile thing that it feels commonplace.
2: It's You're so right. So cake, if, if you think of a fancy cake, you know, a layered cake, a glazed cake, a filled cake, that's a ghetto. That's pretty much a ghetto. It's round. That's Loaf cakes are actually called cake. cake. And um, a sturdy loaf cake can be, I love this term, it can be a weekend cake or it can be a ghetto voyage, a travel cake, and it seems so evocative. Um, It may just be a lemon loaf cake. It may just be a pound cake with some sliced apples on top, but when you say it's a ghetto voyage, and the voyage might just be to the park for a picnic, but um, the French don't have as many words in their language as we do, and they use them pretty precisely, and so when I say cake just in conversation, Um, I have to be very careful because French people will think it's a loaf cake. Yeah. I mean, so
1: there is precision in calling what specific kind of cake it is. Yes. Um, Which leads me to this next part. The people you reference, the names you drop aren't necessarily Pierre or May, though he is include in this book, but it's friends of yours. It's yeah. it's Odile. It's uh
2: it's Martine. Exactly. There are two Martines, yeah. <laughs> right? <laughs> There's oh, so here's my, my, my favorite. I drop if if you want to call it name dropping, the name of Laurent. So um Laurent is a hairdresser. He's not even my hairdresser. He has the chair next to Isabel who cuts my hair, <laughs> right? But he's a fabulous, he's just a great cook. And he cooks, he works all week and only cooks on the weekends. And it's only because there are smartphones and he takes pictures that I discovered what he makes on the weekends. So I would kind of time my haircuts to get there when the shop opened and Laurent would be coming back from the weekend. And so he gave me a recipe that I have just been using over, ever since I got it. It's, um, in the book, it's called Laurent's Slow Roasted Spiced Pineapple. And it's pineapple that's cooked in a slow oven for two hours, basted with jam, orange juice, and booze. You could use more orange juice, but it's really good with booze. (laughs) Uh, So whatever you have. And and Laurent says, oh, whatever you have in the house, rum, whiskey, um, armagnac, cognac, um, and then every spice that you have in the cupboard. And what you get is almost candied pineapple and the syrup is so delicious and there's always extra so you can pour, pour it over vanilla ice cream or put it in a cocktail or it's just, it's great but I love that these recipes came from so many different places and so yes Pierre Hermé is in the book but so is
1: Laurent. Yeah, well let's talk about Martine because the, the cake or gâteau that he makes the Savoy um, or Savoie.
2: The the Savoy, and it's Martine is she. Yeah, She's got an oh. e at the end of
1: her name. Yeah, I mean that's a very traditional cake.
2: Oh, I you know I I should look it up, but it's I I want to say seventeenth century was the
1: oh even earlier uh, thirteen fifty eight.
2: Oh, you did your homework. <laughs> thank you, thank you. And it's normally made in um, in a ring mold, what we would think of as a um, as a Jello mold, and what the French call a savarin. So often, um, a, 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 the same dough that's used for baba or rum is made into a savarin, and it's that that ring. And so that's the mold that it's normally made in. And when Martina, because Martine's really a good cook, and um, and one of one of my one of one oh, I just got lost in grammar. <laughs> one of. One of a few of my friends, no, I don't have many, okay, let me go around, let me go around, wait, okay, (laughs) so um, I don't have many friends who bake, really bake at home in France, but she does, and so I really wanted her to share a favorite recipe with me, and she said the Ghetto Savoir, she said it's the cake of my childhood. It's what my mother always made. It's a very, it's a sponge cake. It's very white. Um, and she said, we used to just have a pot of jam on the table and we would cut slices of cake and have cake and jam. And when she gave me the recipe, it was to be made in a savaram mold. And Martine won. I think of Martine Aranger who gave me this cake um, as the second Martine of my life. The first Martine of my life lent me the ring mold. Um, and when I came back to America, and I came back to New York to test the recipe, um, I made it in a bun pan because I thought that would be the easiest for all of us to find. And it's great in a bun pan.
1: It's a, it's a stunning-looking photograph.
2: Thank you. Oh, coming from you. Yeah. Thank you. Um, but... I think it's stunning because it's so plain. I love cakes and desserts that are yeah. really.
1: But aside from it having that legacy, it has this dignity to it too. That, you know, it's, it's so simple, but it, it's so satiating, um, which the majority of these recipes are as well. But I want, I want to talk about Odile because we already talked about glazing fruit, and you think of an upside-down pineapple cake, but with fresh oranges.
2: Which are not, yes, this is also, so Odile is, okay, here, you want a family tree. Bernard is married to Martine One, and Odile is Bernard's sister. And she was, I had invited the whole family for, for dinner, and Odile came and prompted by her brother, I think, instead of bringing chocolates or flowers, as French people often do when they're coming to your home for dinner, she brought a recipe which is like the best gift you could ever give me. And it was for this orange cake, which is a super, super plain cake um, that when it comes out of the oven, it's just a little round cake, um, low as most French desserts are. Um, When it comes out of the oven, you drench it in orange syrup, so orange juice and sugar. And then when I made it, I loved it plain, but I thought, you know, As good as it is plain, if I just put a little fruit on it, it could be like a dressy company dinner. And so it now, what I did was I poached some oranges and used the poaching syrup as the soak for the cake. And then put the oranges on top. And if you cut them in how many sides... I think it's five sides, and you piece them together like a jigsaw puzzle. It's so pretty. If you can use grapefruits, you could use tangerines, you could use blood oranges. It's super simple and, I think, super beautiful.
1: You know, not to say that these are painstaking things, but I feel like there's so much that goes into the visual aspect of what a cake is or what baking is in France that people get intimidated of how much labor goes into it. Is, is that a true assumption?
2: It's true if you're working for Pierre Hermé. It's not <laughs> true if you're baking at home with me. <laughs> you know, I just went a little, um, that orange cake was really perfect the way it was. I just thought it would be pretty with some color on it. And I think that, you know, when you talked about the Gâteau Savoir and how it was, you used the word, it had dignity. Um, it's just a bun cake. It has nothing but powdered sugar over it, only if you want to. And I think you make decisions um, in baking. You can be, um, you can bake like a pastry chef, or you can bake like a home baker, and they're both pretty fabulous. And if you bake like a home baker, um, it's not so painstaking. I've given up frosting. I mean, I do it now and then, but I don't. I don't glaze. I don't decorate. Um, I find that I'm. The more I bake, the simpler what I bake is. And I'm happy with it.
1: Well, we're going to take a quick break on that and return to Dory's Kitchen. Bring it back to yours. You've been listening to The Food Scene on HeritageRadioNetwork.org. We'll be right back.
0: This is Chris Howell from Cane Vineyard and Winery, calling in from Spring Mountain above the Napa Valley. Thank you for listening to this show. In our industrial world of highly processed food and wine, we support the values of Heritage Radio Network. All of us at Kane encourage you to seek out individuality and beauty in everything you eat and drink. To learn more about us, go to Kane5.com.
1: Hey, and welcome back to the food scene on heritageradionetwork.org. I'm your host, Michael Harlan Turkell, here with Dory Greenspan, Baking Chamois. And it's true, it is baking with you because these are from your home to ours.
2: Every recipe was either um, collected or created in my Paris kitchen and tested, 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 and retested um, with primarily supermarket ingredients either in my kitchen in new york or in connecticut so is pierre herme is he is he a home baker i did once have a dessert that pierre made standing at the kitchen stove um but every other time that i've ever had dinner at pierre's and i've had dinner there lots oh wait once he made cookies he made, he made what I'm now calling world peace cookies once <laughs> at home. Um, yeah, they've usually come from his shop.
1: Yeah, <laughs> because you have two recipes of his in this book, uh, both the, uh, the uh,
2: uh, carremont. munt chocolat, yeah. the, the kind of right-on, squarely, solidly chocolate cake that's on the cover of the book.
1: But there's a simple loaf and a fancy cake.
2: Right, and so these are really my takes on um, his cake. So I met Pierre... Um, He says that we knew one another when we were born, but that's not true. I think we met in 91. So we know each other a long time. And I learned so much when I worked with him. I mean, we did two books together, and it it was an extraordinary experience for me. And one of the things I learned, and now it seems so commonplace, but when Pierre told me this, it was new, was how important salt is in desserts. And... The Carrément Chocolat is a cake that he makes. Um, Carrément, Carré is square, and so his cake is square. Mine's round. Um, and it has, it's a, the combination is chocolate and salt. And I, I talked to Pierre about a recipe for Carrément Chocolat in which, and this is genius, he melts the chocolate, puts fleur de sel in the chocolate, and then freezes it. And then chops the chocolate into bits. So in the simple loaf, the the chocolate bits are scattered throughout the cake, and they don't quite melt. So I mean, just think of them as like the best, best, best chocolate chips you've ever had. Um, I use um, great. I use Valrhona chocolate is is the chocolate that I use from um, my recipes. And so like great Valrhona chocolate with fleur de sel, it's unbeatable. And then in the fancy cake. I took the simple one. He His cake has um, a mousse and a ganache and um, a cream, and it's amazing. Mine is the simple <laughs> cake with a, a chocolate pastry cream filling and a chocolate glaze, just ganache, that you pour over it. But I took that idea of freezing the salted chocolate and then cut huge—not huge. Who wants huge in baking? <laughs> um, I make large shards just like slivers and shards and pieces of chocolate and put it on top of the cake. And so while you're meant to eat it with the cake, um, what I usually do is like pick at the shards, nibble them like a candy, and then eat the cake. It's just the combination is wonderful. And so those, yeah, those are inspired by Pierre as is. Pierre does um, probably his most famous cake is the ispahan. So it's the combination, I call it the trinity. It's oh, my favorite. Of, uh, it's so amazing, of rose, li- rose, lychee, and raspberry. And so the traditional strawberry cake in France is called the fraisier, and it's usually a very thin layer of Genoise sponge cake, cream, whole berries, and then Genoise on top, and often like almond paste, colored green, not my favorite color <laughs> for dessert, right? On top. And so I took every French homemaker's favorite cake, the yogurt cake, and channeled Pierre and put rose flavoring into that yogurt cake and then used strawberries in the center. It's a great combination.
1: I mean, I, I love going to his shops and having the, his Fahan, but he's somebody you know. And what what's kind of amazing about this book, too, is that you also, you know... Uh, Talk about someone that you don't really know, Alexander Mika.
2: Oh, oh, yes. This is the only thing that will ever tie me to Brigitte Bardot, (laughs) right? I mean, how often do we get to say Dory Greenspan and Brigitte Bardot in the same sentence? So, yes, he was a, a, he had a pastry shop in Saint-Tropez in the 50s. Must have been the 50s, yeah. And um, Brigitte Bardot was filming in Saint-Tropez, it was her first film. Roger Vadim was the director. I think it was his first film. Alain Delon, Jean-Louis Trentignon, they were all unknowns at the time. And they're filming, and Alexander Mika had the shop across the street from where they would film. And he would supply lunch. And he made something that was um, the tart Tropézienne. I don't know what he called it at the time, but it's um, a very lean, not very rich brioche. And it has a cream. In the south of France, it's usually, in the Riviera, it's usually um, flavored with orange flower water. And so the brioche is made like a big hamburger bun. And you cut it in half and you fill it with that cream. And it has um, pearl sugar. I think of it as IKEA sugar, you know, that <laughs> Swedish sugar <laughs> on top of it. And that became the cruise favorite dessert and Brigitte Bardot said you should call it the Tarte Tropezienne and he did and now everyone in Saint-Tropez does. It's you walk through those streets in Saint-Tropez and every other shop has a tart but his was the original.
1: Can I call you the Bardot of a uh- Baking? Of Brooklyn right uh, now? Uh, baking? Yeah, I, I,
2: yeah. <laughs> oh, please, would you? Please.
1: <laughs> Absolutely. New moniker for you. Throw out the doyen. You are the bardo of baking.
2: Yay. I love it. Thank you. Can't wait to tell my husband. <laughs> <laughs> you know,
1: it's amazing you talk about all these specific people and what they do in their homes, their shops. But then there's also this sect of people, the Alsatians, who show up over and over, again. over
2: and over again. So I am those con-
1: pesky Alsatians. Oh, no,
2: those fabulous, <laughs> fabulous pastry chefs and home bakers and and candy makers and jam makers. I so there was a, a time when every pastry chef I fell in love with, and well, I actually fall in love with everyone I meet, but. Um, they all came from Alsace. I was convinced that Alsace was like the birthplace of pastry. Um, Pierre's and Um They have such great desserts. So Alsace, which is eastern um, France and kind of passed back and forth between kind of ping pong between um, being part of France and being part of Germany, is the only part of France that loves cinnamon. <laughs> There's a, there, there was um, somebody once told me a story that after World War II, when the French were able to go into the where, you know, the stock houses, the warehouses and see what was left. Um, the only thing that hadn't been eaten by by mice was the cinnamon. And so they determined that the the mice were French. <laughs> <laughs> um, so Alsace is like uh, it's it's like. It's the Christmas all year long in Alsace because they use those wonderful spices. It's the um, region where streusel is put on everything. Everything gets sprinkled with confectioner's sugar. It's, I think, it's it it could be home for me. I love it there, and I love what they do in baking. And so yes, I have the tart flambé, the apple tart flambé. We went to. Um, we went to a restaurant that serves only tart flambe. So it's essentially pizza dough um, rolled super, 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 super thin and traditionally topped with fromage blanc and bacon. and Onions. Onion, Yeah. yeah, that's right, an onion bacon tart, exactly. And this restaurant served both sweet and savory. And by the time it was time to have our dessert, tart flambe. I had asked so many questions that the server said, do you want to go make your own? <laughs> and so I got to go make the, make my own dessert and learn how to make a tart flambe that, that afternoon. It's It's just, it's really fun, great for parties.
1: I mean, we're in New York. Cheesecakes are you know, a staple here, but the Alsatian cheesecake with the Fromage Blanc and the Eau de vie and the rum soaked raisins just sounds
2: It's great. It's great. But it's so different from ours. So it's very low. As I said, most, most French desserts are fairly low. Um and it's 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 very light. And because it's hard for us to get fromage blanc here, I um I'm using Greek yogurt and heavy cream and getting a getting a really nice um texture out of that. But I also put so um when, when Kraft um, cream cheese came to Paris, so cream cheese has been like a cult ingredient, right? I carried more cream cheese across the ocean than um, Pierre Hermé used to ask me to please bring him some. <laughs> so I brought cream cheese, and I would, like, I'd go, like, 10 pounds at a time. And I kept some for myself, and I made a New York cheesecake out of it. Um, and that's, like, four times the size of you know, in height that anyone would ever in France would ever make a cheesecake. And then I used some speculus cookies, some of the what here are Biscoff cookies, crumbled them up and put them in the cake so that they, the, so the cheesecake seemed more French. And I liked it so much that I started doing it here. And so the recipe is in the book and it's called Le Cheesecake Round Trip. <laughs>
1: <laughs> you mentioned Christmas. You have an Alsatian fruit cake, which is a Oh, kind of a Christmassy thing.
2: Yeah. So fruitcake is such a scary word, isn't it? Um,
1: Baroweke is a little scarier, though, for people that don't know I can't it pronounce is. it. Yeah. You just did a nice job. Yeah, I tried. Right. So it looks I'm, more South African than it does French.
2: Well, I'm calling it, um, in the book I call it Alsatian Christmas bread. And it's dried fruit, nuts, almond flour, Um, held together, well, it's really the almond flour that holds it together in the moisture from the fruit, a little apple cider or or orange juice. And it's rolled into a kind of sausage, a log, and baked. And it's, I had ignored it for years. I saw it. It's in every Alsatian pastry shop, whether it's summer, fall, winter, or spring. Um, And it's not You know, it's just not as pretty as those strawberry tarts. And I left it there. And then, well, it's thanks to Pierre again. I was having dinner at um, Pierre's house one Christmas, and he served it. He served it with foie gras. And I thought, this is so good. This is what I've been passing up all these years. And so I started to make it at home. It's great as a dessert. It's wonderful with fruit desserts. Um, It's good with cheese, and it was terrific with foie gras.
1: Well, if you need more holiday stuff, the ginger gingerbread boucher you know well, the black and white baked Alaska. But I want to bring it back to the U.S. for a sec. You have less whoopies, which I think is hilarious. I'll let it people is. get into that. <laughs>
2: it is hilarious. But tell me about the chocolate chip cookies. Oh, so in 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 France, if you say if a French person says cookies, it means only one thing chocolate chip cookies so when i would talk about the cookies that i'd be making i could see kind of my french friend's eyes glaze over and they're thinking we don't know what you're talking about cookies are only chocolate chip cookies and so i was having dinner at le pantrouche which is a tiny little favorite bistro of mine and the owner served um these hazelnut cookies that were really nice and so i asked him if he would give me the recipe and he said oh i have a better cookie for you He said, I have a better recipe for you. It's for cookies. I said, I like this recipe. I knew immediately it was going to be chocolate chip. I didn't want it. Um, I said, I like these. He said, no, 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 no. I'm going to give you another recipe. And he gave me a recipe. And sure enough, it was for chocolate chip cookies. And just as I was about to be truly disappointed, I noticed the almond flour. This is not like any American chocolate chip cookie I've ever made. And it's great.
1: I can't wait to try that. I have a whole stockpile of almond flour that's been sitting there in my freezer waiting Waiting for this recipe. Thank you, Mm Eduard. But thank you, Dory, even more so. There's this great sidebar on most pages called Bony Days, which is variations. But the best Bony Day that I can have is uh, buy this book, (laughs) Bake with Dory. Thank you so much for being on.
2: Thank you. It's been great.
1: The Bardot of baking. <gasps> Dora Greenspan.
2: Oh, ça c'est moi?
1: <laughs> You've been listening to The Food Scene <laughs> on HeritageRadioNetwork.org. I'm your host, Michael Harlan Turkell, Hoping to have you back here next Tuesday at 3. Cheers.